0: is eating the world. I love that quote from Mark Andreessen, he said that in 2012. Because we are all creating SaaS apps to automate every part of every business, every industry. And I think companies are gonna keep investing in digitization, and I think we're so far from done. AI, data, we're all just at the beginning. And so there's a massive long-term opportunity for us. And I think if we just adapt, if we use this downturn, get smarter, get more efficient and we survive it. What I've always seen, ultimately, the sunshine does return. And you know maybe we're in a bit of a blizzard now, we hunker down, but the sun does always come back. And we can use this time to get better, stronger together. And ultimately, we can all achieve our dreams together. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thumer. And I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. So I want to talk about the lessons I've learned. I've been building SaaS companies over 20 years now. So we've seen a few down cycles. And I wanted to share what we've learned about surviving, adapting, and ultimately thriving through a downturn. And I'm just curious, how many of you have had to adapt your plans this year. How many of you have changed your plans since the beginning of the year? Not surprisingly, almost all of you. And then I'm just curious, is anyone growing faster than they expected at the beginning of the year? Uh, There are a few of you. Maybe like 5 or 10%. You're the lucky ones. I want to talk to you. Because what we have seen at G2, we have seen a slowdown. And we work with over 3,000 SaaS companies as our customers. And you know, we definitely started seeing a slowdown, I think, first in May, June, July, where all of a sudden I think companies are scrutinizing all investments more. And so clearly it's a tougher environment for everyone. And what I want to talk about today was first give you a little bit more context about myself, our company G2, and then talk about what we've learned surviving downturns over the past 20 plus years, share five lessons learned on how you can adapt and get stronger through a downturn. And I do like the expression some people have, you know, crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And it does create a nice opportunity to change and make your companies better. And so we wanna talk about what we've learned about how you can adapt to get stronger. And ultimately, we do believe SaaS long-term will continue to thrive, the sunshine will return, and so we also want to talk about the long-term perspective. Now, first, a little bit more about me as an entrepreneur. I've been building SaaS companies really since 1999 when we started our first company, Big Machines, and this was still at the tail end of the dot-com era. The internet was still brand new, and this was before SaaS was even called SaaS. I think back then people talked about on-demand software. And Big Machines ultimately was a successful company. It was eventually, after a dozen years, it was acquired by Oracle and became the Oracle CPQ Cloud. But as I'll share in a minute, it was a very long, tough journey. And before we got to that success, we went through some deep downturns and some really painful times. After Big Machines, we built another CPQ company, Configure Price Quote Software, it was called Steelbrick. And there we had a very good run. We scaled a company within two years and required by Salesforce, and uh, so it was also configure price quote software. And there, I had the chance to work for Mark Benioff. I was on his extended leadership team. Mark is the founder CEO of Salesforce, an entrepreneur I very much admire, and learned a lot more about building to the next level of scale, at an amazing company like Salesforce. After integrating Steelbrick into Salesforce successfully, I still felt the entrepreneurial itch, and we'd actually started G two with my co-founders in parallel to building Steelbrick. And my co-founder, Tim, had done a great job scaling the company, and I decided to come back to help him scale G2 to the next level. And it was exciting, last year we became a unicorn. Although, as Philippe shared, it didn't mean as much last year as it does today, uh, but we are really excited you know, that uh, we've, we've built G2 to the biggest level of scale any company I've built, and we wanna keep that rolling. And in addition to building G2, I now love helping other entrepreneurs, and uh, we have what we call our entrepreneurial family. So I'm also investing in some SaaS companies, and two in particular, 3Kit, my, one of my best friends, CRO, former CRO, co-founder of G2, Matt Gorniak, is the CEO. They're creating amazing 3D visualization software for visual commerce. And I'm also involved with Logic, that's a next-gen, next-gen configuration engine company uh, that my Big Machines co-founder, Chris Shutz, is building. And when I'm not working, I love to be with my family outdoors. It's my wife and I, three kids. During the pandemic, we actually moved to Boulder, Colorado. So we love being in the mountains and the outdoors. A little bit more about G2. And uh, are you listed on G2 yet? Raise your hand. Most of you. If not, please do it. But G2 has become the largest SaaS software marketplace and review platform. We do have over 100,000 products listed on G2. You can list them for free. And we now have about seven million SaaS buyers coming every month to research and discover great apps like yours. And they're coming. We have almost two million verified trusted reviews. And our original vision for G2 was really disrupt Gartner, Forrester, the legacy analyst model. Because an entrepreneur, The least favorite part of my job was briefing Gartner. And we wanted to give all the power to the customers. And that's what we're building at G2. So, and we do have a booth, so please come check it out because we do believe we can help validate your success. And as Philippe showed, there's a strong correlation between the companies doing well on G2 and the next generation of successful unicorns. But that's enough about me and about G2. And what I really want to talk about was surviving downturns. And I think for me as an entrepreneur, it's also always very emotional. You know, we know all the numbers, we know all the facts. But I think what I've learned as an entrepreneur I think what's even more important than you know, being smart and having the right strategy is having emotional fortitude. And I think that's really hard as an entrepreneur when you do face downturns because I think we're all so attached to our companies and our identity is so attached to them that when the company's struggling and when it feels like it's failing, it can be very hard and overwhelming personally. And I really experienced this building my first company, Big Machines. And we did start out at the very tail end of the dot-com era. I think we officially incorporated the company on January 1, 2000. And I think the idea was it's going to be the company for the next millennium. And I think I was 27 at the time, maybe too fueled with adrenaline. But we kind of thought it was going to be easy. You know, I've been part of another startup that went public within two years, dot-com boom, and I'm like, wow, this looks pretty easy. And the first year was exciting. We were able to raise $20 million. We had a young, smart team. And at that time, venture capitalists also thought it was smart to fund young, clueless entrepreneurs which is what we were. Um, And so, at the beginning, it was really exciting. We scaled up to 65 people, had this grand vision. Um, But then things changed quickly, and I remember by 2001, the dot-com boom went to the dot-bomb bust, and I remember even Amazon was considered a massive credit risk. People were all saying Amazon's going to go bankrupt. And at Big Machines, in hindsight, we were also ahead of the market but we were creating, ultimately was SaaS CPQ software, and we were targeting manufacturers, big manufacturers. My father had been in the pump business selling big pumps, and we wanted to help him and other manufacturers sell big machines online. And in 2000, a lot of people were interested. We signed up about 10 customers. They're like, yeah, we need to figure out this internet thing. We don't know what it means, but you can help us. But then by 2001, I remember the business plan I had, we were gonna sign up 20 customers, then 40, then 80 the next three years. But then 2001, we only signed up two so missed our sales plan by 90%, and it stayed that way for 2002, 2003, it was just a really tough environment, because all these large manufacturers, you know, they'd be polite, they'd take the meeting, but then they'd be like, well, you're a dot bomb, like, when are you going bankrupt, and by the way, the internet was a fad, we're actually really happy sending out our paper catalogs and CD-ROMs, and thank you for your time, but no way in hell I'm buying your software. And so that really made it very painful for us, and by 2003, we burned through 19 of our 20 million, so we're down to our last million dollars. And I remember my co-founder, Chris and I, he was my best friend from MIT, but we kind of sat down, we had what I called our Come to Jesus meeting. We're like, hey, do we just give the last million dollars back, and, you know, hopefully we can go get jobs as engineers and consultants again, you know, or do we try to persevere? And we did decide to do the latter. I think one, we just didn't want to quit on each other. And, uh, but secondly, we did have about a dozen early customers and we did see these manufacturers having success with online quoting in the cloud. And we thought if we persevere, eventually the market will come around. And uh, so we did have to take some really painful steps. We scaled the company down from 65 to 20 people and we just came up with a plan where like, hey, we have to be able to get cash flow positive within a year because also no investor would give a company that had missed its sales plan by 90% three years in a row any money. Our metrics were terrible, but we just said, hey, we're going to grind it out, and I also then became the head of sales, and we just said, hey, let's do enough deals, so we're profitable within a year. And uh, luckily, we were able to make that happen. And the other smart thing we did at that time, we started partnering with Salesforce, as well as with Siebel CRM On Demand, which became Oracle CRM On Demand. And what we saw, in those days, cloud was still very early. At that time, Salesforce was only serving small businesses. But then, a few years later, the cloud started to happen. And thank you, Mark Benioff. But CRM all of a sudden started being adopted by large companies. And all of a sudden, those large companies needed a CPQ app like ours, which Salesforce didn't have, Siebel didn't have. And uh, so we became the number one partner and then had a great run, ultimately sold the company and turned into a great outcome. But I've seen a few cycles now in my career, and I first started working, I think, way back in 1994, and I remember I was graduating from MIT, but even then it was hard to get a job, even as an MIT engineer, and so that was kind of finishing in a downturn, and then obviously the 90s were pretty good until this dot-com bust, and as I mentioned, that almost killed our company. To me, that was the hardest down cycle, and I also remember the Silicon Valley was empty, and even out there, like 101, there was never any traffic, everyone was leaving the Bay Area, it was kind of dead. And then the next big downturn was 0809, and luckily we adapted so well after the dot-com bust that we went into that cash flow positive. And 0809, we were able to keep growing. Sales was able to keep growing, so it was actually kind of a magical time because all of a sudden we were able to hire people much more easily. Our costs went down, and our revenue kept growing. And then we all saw, I think, the COVID downturn, and it was so short, maybe it's hard to remember, but I do remember in March 2020, April 2020, we, like most people, were panicking, right? We all thought COVID might also be obviously horrible for the health of the world, but also horrible for the economy. And I do remember we let some people go at G2, and we were very scared, but then luckily in the digital economy and SaaS, I think for most of us, with one quarter, things bounced back to happy. But then this year, we're now in the next down cycle, And the question always when you're entering is how long and deep will it be? Obviously I don't know the answer to that, otherwise I'd run a hedge fund. But I do think, I think what we're expecting now at G2 based on discussions with our board, our customers, we think it's going to be at least six quarters, so we're kind of planning for tough environments, certainly the rest of this year, all of next year, and then hopefully by 2024 it starts to get better again. But I do think it's safer to assume that than, you know, to think it's going to come back faster. The good news, though, there are still millions of software buyers shopping, and this is on G2 and some of our competitor sites. We actually had almost record traffic in September, saying people are still looking for SaaS solutions. And we did our buyer survey. We survey over over a thousand SaaS buyers, and we do this once a year. And uh, the good news is, you know, 46% of companies are still planning to increase spend. Uh, 43 staying flat, and only 11% decreasing spend. So I think companies are still investing in SaaS, they're still investing in digital transformation, but not as rapidly as they would have at the beginning of the year. We also have a solution called G2 Track, where we track SaaS spend. This is mainly for mid-market companies in the US. And uh, so we can actually see what they're spending. This ties into their general ledger financial system. And uh, so we did see a slowdown at the beginning of this year. Not dramatic, but companies are, are cutting their SaaS spend But when you look back year over year, it's still up 15%, and uh, so it's a tougher environment, but I'd say it's not catastrophic. And when we look at the number of apps, people are still actually buying more apps, because there's so many innovative apps, but they're spending less per app. And I think a lot of you might be seeing that user reductions or even some pricing pressure. And back to the emotion, I do think as an entrepreneur, we love talking about our peak culture, I love real mountain peaks, but I think it can feel like all of a sudden you're climbing to the peak, it's a beautiful sunny day, that was last year, and now all of a sudden a storm cloud has come in. So how do you adapt when you get into this kind of a crisis? And I wanted to share five lessons learned leading companies through these downturns. And I think number one, that's a picture of my daughter Maddie, and I think she really teaches me to be authentic. So if I'm ever not, she calls me out on it. But I do think it's a tough time, and I think facing that fear together with your team, you know, not trying to hide it. But I think all our teams are aware, everyone sees the news, and I think that's what we did, G2, sit down as a leadership team, face the reality, and then quickly change your plans, adapt your plans, and communicate to your teams. Because I think if you don't communicate, and you don't do it quickly, people are just going to wonder, and I think there will be more anxiety in your teams. Secondly, don't panic, and uh, keep taking one step at a time towards your peak. And this is actually, uh, this summer, I climbed Byers Peak. It was a beautiful hike. It's about a 13,000-foot, 4,000-meter mountain in Colorado. And I remember we set out. It was a beautiful sunny day. And at the beginning, we were hiking through the forest. It was beautiful. And then we got up, up above the tree line, above 12,000 feet. And then about the last five, 600 feet, all of a sudden, it gets kind of steep and rocky, and you have to kind of start bouldering. And I remember my wife got really scared. She's like, oh, we're close enough. Why don't we just turn back? And my daughter Maddie said, no, Mom, let's just keep going up one step at a time. And we got there and had this beautiful photo. And I think the same thing in a downturn. If you just keep moving forward towards your vision, one step at a time, you'll ultimately get there. And Amazon, as I mentioned, they were almost, in 2001, everyone was saying they were losing hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Even Amazon couldn't raise more money after the dot-com bust, so people were saying they are going to go bankrupt. But I think Bezos also, always been the ultimate, he remained customer obsessed, and really focused Amazon on getting much more efficient. And ultimately that led to AWS, because yeah, they also realized, wow, we have to deploy and host our servers much more efficiently. Initially it was just internal, then it made the service. But I do think you can use a downturn to also get more efficient. I think we're all doing that. Last couple of years we're all about hiring, we doubled our team. Now we're not hiring much, but saying, hey, how do we get more productivity out of the teams we have? And I think it's always healthy to have a pause and really focus on getting more efficient and better And a time like this is a great time to do it. And adapting quickly, and also Steve Jobs, the Apple founder, CEO, when he came back to Apple in 1996, Apple was almost also, almost bankrupt. I think Michael Dell, you know, they asked him what should Steve Jobs do, and he was like, hey, just return the cash to the shareholders and shut it down. And uh, obviously Michael Dell was wrong. And what Steve Jobs didn't said, he rapidly did reduce their costs, reduced their product palette from hundreds of products to about 12, and launched a new iMac, so kept innovating. But he changed the company very quickly, and obviously ultimately led to, you know, the, the most valuable company in the world at $2 trillion today. And what I've also learned from Mark Benioff and Salesforce, same thing in 2001, if you read his book Behind the Cloud, Salesforce was also almost going out of business because they had all these early .com customers who were all going bankrupt. But I think what Mark has always done, and even when I worked for him, he's always out there in the world, and he's always selling, selling his vision. And I remember even in San Francisco, he would go to all the dot-com parties year one, handing out his business cards. And today, he still travels the world and evangelizes his Salesforce vision. And so I think even in a downturn, go out there, meet your customers, keep innovating, and ultimately, you can succeed. And long term. I do think we're all really lucky to be in SaaS, to be in software. I've been very lucky to be in this industry for over 20 years because it has just been an incredible tailwind. And uh, if you look at software, I think it's also a mega trend, software is eating the world. I love that quote from Mark Andreessen, he said that in 2012. Because we are all creating SaaS apps to automate every part of every business, every industry. And I think companies are going to keep investing in digitization and I think we're so far from done. AI, data, we're all just at the beginning. And here's an interesting data from Battery Ventures, but if you look at it you know, over many decades, since I've been in software, it's boomed. I think this was maybe about a year ago, but it's about a $600 billion industry. And if you look out the next 30 years, it's gonna get at least 10 times bigger. And so there's a massive long-term opportunity for us. And I think if we just adapt, if we use this downturn, get smarter, get more efficient, and we survive it. What I've always seen, ultimately, the sunshine does return, and I think that's true in the economy, right? It's true in nature. And you know, maybe we're in a bit of a blizzard now, we hunker down, but the sun does always come back. And also at G2, we're, we believe in this, we're we'll ultimately get to our peak, and uh, you know, and we can use this time to get better, stronger together, and ultimately we can all achieve our dreams together. So thank you all. And look forward, I'm going to be here throughout the event. So hopefully I'll get a chance to speak to some of you. And if not, you know, please also, you can connect with me online or email me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at SaaStock.com.